Welcome back to another Film Friday episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Jacob, your Film Friday debut, one of our favorite movies, Dunkirk, finally doing it. It's good to have you on the pod. It's good to be here, man. Thank you for inviting me. So, Jacob, so the thing I love about Dunkirk personally is that it is honestly on, we, I think I can agree at least, the Saving Private Ryan pantheon level worth of war movie. And my question to you is, were you considered among the best war movies? And what's what are some of the aspects about this movie that always just seems to bring you back to watching it over and over again? Um, I believe, see, I'm not that big of a war movie person, personally. I really, I did enjoy Saving Private Ryan. I really enjoyed Dunkirk. But I just think that, like, the way that this, the, the thing that does this movie for me is the way it's shot. The the three different uh, aspects, as in like, there's the plot at sea, there's a plot on land, and there's a plot in the air that are all set in three different times, which that's what really gets me personally. I just think it's like a great way of like opening up the movie and it's a great way of like um, shooting the different characters and the way they all meet at the end. I just think that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's honestly the best part because I feel like this is less of a movie and more of an artwork. Like, you also look at this too, and I think I was doing this with the film pods, but looking at the era it's made in. So it's made in 2017. And for the most part, like in the 2000s, at least a lot of war movies were traditional. Like you're really telling a story about like, like, oh, this is this battle. Oh, this is this person about this battle. But this movie it kind of tells the same thing, which is the Siege of Dunkirk from three different perspectives. It tells it from three different points of view in terms of the actual like military, like schematics and, you know, strategy and all that. But it also tells it from like a soldier's perspective and a per like just a, an everyday British perspective. I feel like they kind of took a war movie and kind of just made it more complex. And I feel like when they put all the pieces together, it really just turned out into a great film. You kind of just elevated a traditional stereotype for what a movie was kind of like the past couple decades. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also think that the, the cast really does it for me. I'm a big, I'm a big cast person. Me too. Like, yes. <laughs> if the actors, if I, not that I'm saying that like unknown actors aren't good, but like if I've seen the actors and other things that I'm more inclined to watch it again. And they got like, you got like, Oh, you got Tom Hart. Uh, yeah. Tom Hardy playing the, um, the pilot. You got, um, what's his name? I forget the, the guy who crashed and ended up on the boat, but him and Tom Hardy are in like every single Christopher Nolan movie together. They were in, <laughs> they were in Batman. The they, were in, they were actually in Inception, which was also released this year. Not released this year, but it's another Nolan film. Yep. Great, great movie. No, yeah. Well, casting for me is important too, because so something I actually like about this movie is if I always also look at things to kind of like the Oscars and just like the accolades, because I feel like that just counts in like, do we remember this film or not? And if it wasn't kind of awarded, why wasn't it? If you look at it, besides maybe you could say Call Me By Your Name or Shape of Water, every other movie in this era had a big actor. And this one had recognizable names, but I don't think it had like, it didn't have like a Tom Hanks or a, a DiCaprio or anything. Like usually the Nolan films, they're headlined by these like, the superstars or two superstars. I feel like this movie, I feel like they wanted to draw away from that. It kind of reminded me of 1917 where they didn't start anybody big. There's like the Benedict Cumberbatch, like heat check cameo for like 10 minutes. But yeah. 
it was it's a similar mold where it's like let the story and let the let what happened like the history take shape and prioritize that over getting the big name guys to sign for huge contracts and just star in this role yeah i agree with that so the one thing about this movie so we know the legacy of christopher nolan guy like this is kind of probably like apex nolan and i mean my question i mean this is a hard one where are we ranking this film with other christopher nolan films because this might actually end up being fifth if you could believe it because if i had to pick a top five in no order you do the dark knight in 08 you do inception in 2010 in all honesty you could do the other two batman movies he made in 05 and in 10 interstellar in 2014 and then this movie in 2017 and that doesn't include two other movies like memento and following which is before our time but have good high recognition yeah. so in terms of nolan films you've seen where are we putting inception or where are we putting uh this movie within the other movies he's made um i would have to say pro i wouldn't say it was like a top movie for me i gotta go by by far I, the top movie i gotta go with um interstellar that movie, man <laughs> it's a classic for me um but it's definitely in i would say maybe like six or seven just because it's not like i said before i'm not a huge war movie person so I wouldn't like if everybody, if all my friends sat down for a movie, I wouldn't be like, oh, and they were they wanted to watch like a Christopher Nolan movie. I would be like, oh, I think we should watch uh, Dunkirk. But if like I, I'm super bored and I'm like, you know what? I haven't seen Dunkirk in a little while. I definitely go back to watching it. To tie this back into the actual film itself. And you mentioned the like kind of like the way this movie shot and the cinematography. Another great thing about this movie, and it's something that I think at least I take into heart almost everything that's like kind of super cool or super action is all practical effects. Like I love it. There's like little CGI in this movie. It's awesome. Yeah. I think um, in some movies like this, the lack of CGI makes it better because if you saturate a movie with too much with CGI, it ultimately becomes like fake in my opinion, and especially for movies that show real events like the siege of Dunkirk. It's better if you just have, actual explosions than fake ones and it's makes the movie a lot more authentic and overall just a better movie in general no i totally agree and then so did not know this about the movie it actually is so because it ties into my next question highest grossing world war ii film ever which is really? crazy because i mean there's a, there's always the running joke that the best way to get an oscar is to make a world war ii film because if you look at it like there's the war ones like Saving Private Ryan or uh, Enemy at the Gates. There's the the pian the pianist and um kind of and like the what's the one with uh, Liam Neeson called? Uh, oh my, I'm, I'm blanking on the one with Liam Neeson, which I should. Uh, but there's always like either the social one, like the war one. I mean, I know your your war movie experience is limited, but do you think this should qualify as the number one uh, World War II film ever? Um, I don't think it would just solely because, um, movies like Saving Private Ryan, I guess are talked about a lot more than movies like Dunkirk. I know it's a relative in the grand scheme of all movies. It's relatively new. Um, even though it's already like 2022, but it's just, I've, that movie is great, but Saving Private Ryan is like the top 
I would say Saving Private Ryan should be the top tier World War II movie solely because of A, the acting, B, the action, and C, just the overall plot in general. Well, and I think I've always said this, my favorite scene ever happens to be the most realistic one ever. Nothing tops the Normandy scene, how accurate they portrayed that. So that that ties into something when it comes to like the history of this movie. Thoughts on them kind of making this whole story on Dunkirk. Like, I feel like it, it, it was a big gamble. I feel like not many people know about the Dunkirk kind of siege or this era of World War II. It's always kind of like the American perspective onward. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I thought it was a really, I thought it was, I agree that the fact it was a, kind of a gamble, but it was also a really, a gamble with some really good odds because, you know, when people know, when people think about war, they think about like the big battles and stuff like that. They think about the leaders, people in charge, stuff like that. But people should also know about like the smaller stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that a siege on Dunkirk is not, is a small event, but it's not something that someone would really choose as movie worthy, in my opinion. So the fact that they did that and the fact that they made it just so amazing, such a great movie makes it like a really good representation of, uh, I, don't, I, I don't, do you know how, is it like, is Dunkirk like really historically accurate? I'd say for the most part, yeah. Like it, it's actually interesting because a lot of these movies, the reason why we hate them is like, the history is just a little off me because you know me like history nerd like things got to be accurate like even like for instance like it's not even a, a uh it's not a movie but like hamilton for instance for all the praise it gets is like historically like very wrong uh there's a couple of things in other movies that are just exaggerated but this movie it kind of ties it down pretty well the one thing that benefits them is they kept it to one event which is the siege of dunkirk and because i think people don't know about it that well there wasn't even a matter of like thinking about kind of getting away with things because if you were just like honest with the, the material, I think you could have, there was no reason to trick an audience or like exaggerate a historical thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The other thing too is like, I think usually for World War II movies, you're either restricted to like the American perspective, like Siege of Normandy or taking back Berlin or whatever. The I feel like the Russia-Germany perspective gets treat a lot well or like you get like a movie like valkyrie with tom cruise where it's like something involving germany but you usually don't get a film involving the british which is which is funny because then in, in this year we get two because we get this movie and darkest hour with gary oldman and that, that's a case of like which movie would you ha rather have that one or dunkirk oh um probably dunkirk just because i enjoy the action um but uh the darkest hour and the fact that there are two war movies about like you said about britain in the same year is kind of a, is kind of i wouldn't say it's a big deal but it's definitely not a small deal because you don't like you said before you don't really get a lot of movies about the british when it comes to world war ii it's mostly about like america or germany stuff like that and i just think it's a really unique perspective in my opinion especially since i know so little about um the siege on dunkirk i'm not the i'm not really a big history buff myself so all I really know about the Siege of Dunkirk is when Churchill um, militarized, not militarized, but like gave all those um, civilian boats, life jackets, and just sent them across the channel to Dunkirk. Um, but now I know a lot more about it. So. so were you able to understand the story for Dunkirk, the movie, 
without knowing the history because i feel like that matters for history movies is if you can like tell the story get a sense of what's going on even if you don't necessarily know like the the context behind it yes yes and no i am still a little i was still a little foggy on like the beginning of it like how like what happened to get done to get the british forces stuck at dunkirk um but the when like when the movie started it really did make a lot of sense because it's it's not like it's giving it's not like it's busting out history facts that only like a history buff would know it's pretty succinct and straight to the point and also even though it is historic it's a pretty historically accurate movie it's almost like they made it's like they they scream out the conversations between the actual people which makes it a lot more easy to understand rather than like like i said before than just spouting out history stuff that someone who doesn't like read a textbook every day would know stuff like that did you like that this movie was more dialogue heavy than action heavy absolutely because there's a difference between war movies and war action movies in my opinion because war action movies as i the name kind of implies there's a lot more action and while to normal 19 year old guys like me action is pretty fun i do enjoy a good uh i do enjoy movies with a lot of dialogue and i think that a dialogue heavy war movie was definitely a really good idea personally um because it really makes it it, it makes it look um it makes it uh oh i'm blanking on what i was going to say um it's shit <laughs> um the way that the characters are portrayed it makes it more like what's the word for it i'd say it would make it more like yeah, i don't want to say realistic but maybe like just like like it's, it's not realistic it's the word you're looking for but i guess more like understanding or yes, like understanding. That's probably it. yeah it makes the characters more understanding even though in all honesty, those characters, the pilot, the seamen, and oh, not the, I think the seamen are actually real, and the soldier, they all could have been made up. Who knows? But it's just like the, it's the way that they're portrayed within the movie, within the time, uh, which, and the fact that there's so little action, um, even, yeah, I just think it's like a really great shot for Nolan and a shot that he took, a gamble that he took, and a gamble that was definitely worth it. Well, and it's a gamble because I'm always on the mindset of less is more. And sometimes I think the fear is like, number one, I think it kind of goes both ways. I think having less action made the action more valuable because there was less of it. But I think sometimes with acting, if there's too much dialogue and too much words, you just kind of get lost in what the hell is going on, especially with like, like, that's the reason why I wasn't, I was like a big fan of like 1917 too, because it was a lot of these like emphasis on cinematography and these awesome shots. But then when it came time for the acting, it was just in small doses, it made sense and it was really meaningful. And I feel like this movie was meaningful too. Oh yeah, definitely. So another question for you, is this movie in retrospect underrated, overrated or properly rated? Oh, um, I'd I have to say... I would say real quick, I'm going to go with underrated. I feel like it kind of gets lost in the last bit of movies that happened before the pandemic. I think in terms of war movies, the lack of action hurts it compared to just bigger names. And I think it not having enough big actors, like just like 
recognizable actors, let's put it like that, I think it hurts it. I would also say it has to be underrated for those reasons. Um, it's just like, you know, like I said, like way back when, when it comes to like war movies, you're thinking like, oh, Saving, saving Private Ryan. You're thinking like uh, Valkyrie. You're thinking movies like that. But nobody really thinks of uh, Dunkirk as much, even though it's like a, even though, like you said, it's the highest grossing uh, World War II movie ever. And it's got a wonderful, it's got a great director, Christopher Nolan. Hans Zimmer wrote the score. It's just an overall really good movie, but nobody really talks about it that much, which I think is kind of slanderous, to be honest. Well, other thing too is 27, I always say like the, the pre-pandemic movies are like the pantheon of lost movies because everyone now is just so busy with like the pandemic and like this new era of like Top Gun and shit that this like the last three years before everything shut down the movies were freaking awesome for best so for best picture this year you can argue dunkirk is arguably the worst out of all of these because of how good these movies were but it was the shape of water which is a Guerrero the toro like masterpiece like everyone knows about that it was kind of like the parasite of that year everyone's like oh this movie's awesome never heard of it before darkest hour which we just talked about get out which was a huge huge movie across all fronts in america uh ladybird which is another one of those like never heard of it you see it it's awesome the post which one of my my favorite movie ever with tom hanks and streep that like it's it's an all-star cast right there and i think dunkirk the, the one thing is like all these movies either had the big names or they got like that pre oscar ceremony like just like popularity boost and Dunkirk I feel like kind of got lost in the fold which is crazy because they still did well at the Oscars oh yeah um I think the craziest thing about it is that just out of the blue for some reason Harry Styles is in it which just makes no sense to me (laughs) my my favorite you have Harry Styles and Tom Hardy before they both take off it's so weird (laughs) exactly it's just like I the cast you you are right compared to the other movies you mentioned the cast is rather unstar-studded, but sometimes that's better than having an all-star cast because you have an all-star cast and then the movie could be just as, just as mid. But the fact that it, it's a small cast with, a, with the amazing Christopher Nolan doing it, I think that adds an extra length of like stardom to it, to be honest, because it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but... That's my two cents on the piece. No, because it, it shines the movie. Because I think sometimes, like, I'm trying to think of a movie where there were so many actors and famous actresses. I would just like, okay, this is like too, too, many, too much heat check. But it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. Because the point's the story. Like, and I think the other reason why this movie, do, do, like, a reason why this movie gets a, a good rep, I think, is the structure. Because I did, like, some research. And one thing that no one focused on in the film was this thing called the snowball effect, which is where you take uh a plot or whatever's going on and you start out small and then kind of expand it to the bigger picture and i don't know if you like saw it that much but like basically having the three different perspectives with multiple times of when they're happening and then the movie kind of starts out slow like you said and just like builds up out of nowhere and just like keeps going 24 7. i feel like that movie that also did this movie justice oh yeah that's by far that's my favorite part of the movie the fact that it starts out like small it's like you know, you have one guy trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk. You have a pilot who is, I believe, just trying to um, fight off the opposing forces. 
and then you have two random two random British civilians who answer the call of duty to go sail across the channel and rescue their soldiers. Um, and the fact that it's just like, you know, you're kind of confused in the beginning. It took me two, it took me two times to watch it, to realize that they're in two, that they're in three different, um, like set times. Um, but after like noticing that watching it all come together into the final like scene or two scenes where everything, like all the times match up. I just think it's a really interesting perspective that Nolan took and ultimately it really did pay off. So I always do this before we talk about the movie and it's movie criticisms, which is weird because you think for a movie, there's not that many criticisms. So here are the three biggest ones that I found. And then you tell me if you agree or disagree and why do you think this movie was, uh, was hurt by having a thin cast or a not super starry supporting cast. I can agree and disagree with that. Um, because as we've been talking about when it comes to casts, um, too little of a cast can make the sh- can make it like weird because you don't really know the actors and you don't really know their capabilities. But as you said, too many star too many stars in one movie, to me it makes it feel like a like freaking Avengers Endgame where you just got all the superheroes in one place and it's just like oh this is a lot on the eyes um but I think in terms of this movie um I think it helped uh no it helped it helped and hurt that's why it's not as big of a movie as it I think it should be but also why it's like just it's almost perfect in that sense do you think this movie was dramatic enough that was a weird one because i actually feel like i feel like it was dramatic enough i had drama but sometimes i do feel the pacing a little bit was was a little bit like watching paint dry sometimes so i want to hear your thoughts hmm i think at the beginning especially like the first time i watched it where i said that i didn't really know the times i do agree that the pacing was a little slow um but the second time i really think that once you figure it out that like the pilot is a week before or yeah, the pilot's a week before the sailors are like a couple of days before and the soldier is like the day of, I think the pacing works, works perfectly. Each, um, each perspective gets an, the same amount of time almost. Um, there's some scenes I do have to agree where it's a little bit like slow, especially like in the beginning with the soldier where he meets the, um, where he meets the French soldier when they're burying the guy and stealing his boots. I think that was, that could have been done a little faster, but overall, I think the pacing itself was pretty good. So fascinating note. So the last question is about the history. So the history itself is actually true, but the characters are not true. They're actually fictional. Does that matter in the grand scheme of things? No, I don't think it matters in the grand scheme of things. I think to the average moviegoer, not to like a history buff, but to the average moviegoer like me, I don't think that the characters themselves had to be historically accurate. I assume that they were, especially with the, the sailors, the, uh, what was his name? I think it was George who got, who died tragically at like towards the middle-ish end-ish of the movie. And they said that they wrote in the newspaper that he's a local hero. I assume that if you like went into British archives, you could find an article about a boy 
who sailed to Dunkirk and died tragically on the boat. Um, but in overall, I don't really think that the characters needed to be historically like historically real. It's even it's a, even though it's a history movie, there is sometimes room to just make a little fiction up, especially with a movie. Well, I like to think that the movie is the Siege of Dunkirk. Like the sorry, the movie Dunkirk is overall it's about the Siege of Dunkirk, but it's really about the characters, in my opinion. Yeah, so I'm actually glad you brought that up because one of my this can tie into kind of our favorite scenes. One of my favorite like scenes, but also just themes in this movie is that when the British soldiers are returning home, there's like this incompetence of kind of like the British citizens like in Great Britain, in England. And right. apparently that was actually like super realistic. There was like a crap ton of like British people and, so and non-soldiers that were just like, what war? Like they were just totally like neglecting what was going on. And it, was, it wasn't until, it was kind of like the Chamberlain, the Neville Chamberlain approach of just like, oh, like whatever, like nothing. That, that legacy was still there. And right. then it took until the actual bombing of London and like the, the Nazi bombings over England that that kind of changed. But it was that was like that was super accurate. And apparently like there was like research, like they interviewed Dunkirk veterans, like soldiers who fought there. And they have come out and said, like, it's like as accurate of a portrayal as you can get. So it, the, the accuracy is still there, which I, I love and appreciate. Yeah. OK. Favorite scene. You, you can go first. We'll go back and forth saying nominations and why. Hmm. First, my first favorite scene would probably have to be, okay, the part where they're hiding in the, um, where they're hiding in the, the uh, grounded ship. Yes. Waiting, waiting for the tide to come in so that they can sail away. And then the, I think it was, yeah, the, I believe it was the Germans. Um, they were using the boat as target practice. And all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose uh, because someone made, I think someone got shot or something. Um, and all of a sudden it becomes them trying to fight back as well as plug up all the holes in the boat so that they can get it moving. And ultimately the boat does sink, which I thought was just both really good and really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to, okay. So for my first nomination, I'm going to do the first beach scene where like those German airplanes just bombed the hell out of the beach because I love the shot they established with all those, like, I don't know if you remember, but it's the shot where there's like lines and lines of soldiers and it goes on for like miles, which just looks super cool. It, it goes back to your cinematography point. And I, I love, I just love the way it, it was early on in the movie to establish a lot. So I'm going to go with that as the next one. Yeah, I do. I do really like that scene. My favorite part of that scene would have to be um, the part where the bombings come and you see it's the main the main soldier like hunched down with his head on the ground and you see the bombs just slowly approaching him yeah <laughs> and like, maybe like 10 feet away they just stop and then he just gets totally covered in dirt i thought it was a great addition to the movie all right so another nomination on your end the ending scene where tom hardy is just kind of like he, he finally runs out of gas and he is just like cruising over and he opens the hatch of the airplane and he's just like he's like i don't know if his arms are out but he's just like feeling the wind against his face because he knows the second that he lands he's probably going to get shot because he's probably going to end up landing in enemy territory so he's just like appreciating the stuff that he did with throughout the course of the movie and 
it's just like I think it's a really good scene. I'm pretty sure I'm 95% sure that there was no like music. It was just him and the whooshing of the air around him, which sound which I think is just an awesome addition. Like there's a one scene without us without music in a movie that really just like it gets me. No, I I actually love that scene too. It's it's one of my kind of top three, maybe just because there's like the shot where he's on the plane or he's getting off the, the plane and you see like the crowd of German soldiers behind him. And it's like kind of like, and you don't know what happens. Like it, the, the fate is left up to like the reader. It was kind of like that last scene in Inception where you don't know if like the, uh, yeah. the thing keeps spinning or if it stops spinning. Like it was one of those where it's like, I have no idea what's going to happen to this guy, but it, it was a really good. I also agree. I love when like silence can be a, de- a deadly move sometimes in movies. That, that was one of the uh, the cases for sure. Oh, definitely. So I always love a good intro scene. I love the intro scene from this movie. It doesn't rank as one of my all timers, but in terms of setting up like the, the, the stakes and, and what's going on, I will say point, it, it does lose points for not telling enough context. I think if there was like a, a couple scenes where like they cut away and kind of like gave some information, especially for the majority non-history buffs. But in terms of the actual, like the, the magnitude and the impact, I, I love the intro scene. Yeah. Like I, like I've been saying, it took me like two, I believe two watches to figure out that like there's three, it's three different times. Um, I think what have made that scene much better is if they stated that more clearly, because like it was blended like with the pilot when it said like one week before, um, it was just like painted against like the white clouds and it was hard for me to see it. So I didn't really notice or get it very much until I saw it the second time. So that's just like a little little criticism I have for that. But overall, besides that, I thought it was a really good intro. I don't know how many of, like, I've got one more scene nomination for best scene. Okay. Um. Oh, definitely when they're on the um, the uh, battleship, and they're oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they all think they're like safe and stuff, and the fr- the uh, the French uh, ally, the guy that's with them, he's like, you know what? I don't really trust what's going on here, so he decides to like stay outside, and then all of a sudden, it's hit by a torpedo, <laughs> and it's just like you can see in every, not even just in the, the characters that you like watch throughout the movie but all like the side and like background characters, you just see like the look of absolute desperation on their faces as the wa- the water just starts flowing in. And I thought that was like re- a really good addition to the movie and a really great way to like sort of end it, but not end it, if you know what I mean. I know I do. Uh, my last scene is the, the, the scene where like everything looks like it's going to hell. And then like, the captain turns around and there's the sea of British ships like in the water. Yeah. Just like, oh, cause I think we need to understand like the history I know is like not in- incredibly important in this movie, but the, the magnitude of that moment, just in terms of all these civilian people on the water, you look at it, it's like before the British are really, really involved in world war two, like they're, they're involved, but like things don't escalate until they're kind of fighting on their own home front there. That scene did such a good job captivating how big of a historical event this is. Because I think if you had told if you had told people like what is Dunkirk, they probably wouldn't understand what it is. And that scene encapsulated what the Battle of Dunkirk was. It was more like the evacuation from Dunkirk. Yeah, and like I said before, historically, that's the only part of Dunkirk that I really know about. 
is when Churchill sent a bunch of um, civilian ships across the channel. And seeing that actually like happen in the movie, I thought, especially the way you described it, where just you, the captain turns around and it's just an entire fleet of civilian ships. I just thought that was really awesome. So uh, in terms of your favorite scene, what are you going with here? Oh, my favorite scene all together. I'm, I'm picking your nomination. I'm picking the one, the, the ending scene with Tom Hardy. That I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I, I like that. Okay. So now because this is your first film plot, I got to run through the actual categories that are left. So the first category is for this movie, what aged well. So what aged well means like given the, the year it was made and the content that was uh, like that the movie's about, does it still fit well? Like what makes it still stand out years later, like today and years moving forward? So like, for instance, one thing that I think stands out is it's probably our last successful World War II movie and war movie we've had. Because I mean, because 1917 came out in 2019. So maybe in terms of like reigniting the World War II genre and the war genre, I think Dunkirk kind of kicked that off again. So that's one thing for me. In terms of like Nolan... You could probably argue this is one of his great, probably his greatest film potentially. And you look at the the arc trajectory. That's probably another thing that ages well too. But what are some things for you that age well with this movie? I'm gonna have to agree with the Christopher Nolan part probably. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan, and I do have to agree this is one. I wouldn't say it's his best movie. I I gotta say either Interstellar or like The Dark Knight definitely, but it's definitely a movie that is like very encapsulating and really good for a World War II movie. Um, I, I kind of understand what you mean by age well. I think that this movie entirely aged well. I don't really see a thing in the movie that like, would be considered like, oh, that's a little, a little iffy. Um, so yeah, I think the movie really aged well. I mean, so th this ties in sort of to the what aged well. I, I try to figure out if there's like peaks for directors, like, there's clearly a time when like certain like actors, directors, actresses have like this prime where they're just in, like back to back throwers or whatever. For Nolan though, I really couldn't find a peak. Like that's something that I think age well is like Nolan because if you're arguing that this is more of like a less of an action movie and more of like a psychological drama character-based movie, Interstar was three years before, but then Inception was kind of too far away. Like there isn't like a consistent like back to back to back yeah. years like you know what i mean because then like if it's an action movie why well, i would say dark knight was better he comes off the batman trilogy this is years later almost a decade later from the first batman so it, it, i mean do you see a peak for nolan or is it just kind of like a huge like from this moment to 15 to 20 years later he's just still gunning out these movies one well i believe one could argue that interstellar or batman one of those two movies was his peak but as you said he keeps coming out with like these like out of like these really good movies that just he doesn't seem to be churn he doesn't seem to stop churning them out and especially with um i think it personally ten you know did you watch tenet by any chance no but that's 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 soon on the list yeah <laughs> tenet i believe is like one of his greater movies i think it, okay. it rivals movie it rivals like movies like uh it rivals Christopher Nolan movies like Interstellar and Inception and that was like I thought that like I thought Interstellar was going to be his peak then he came out with Dunkirk I thought Dunkirk was going to be his peak and like the movies were just going to get worse 
not worse, but like he was going to stop making, he was going to make less of them. And then he just released Tenet out of the blue. Like I, I saw maybe like one um, ad for it on YouTube before it came out. And then I watched it with my dad. I was like, where did this movie come from? And I think that, I think that he's just going to be making movies till like the day he dies. And they're all just going to be equally, if not better movies. See, that makes it hard for me because now I want because my original idea for if I had to make a peek for him, it would probably be 08 to 14. Because in that span, he does The Dark Knight, which critically acclaimed, blah, got everything. Oh, yeah. Inception two years later, the, the sequel to Dark Knight two years later, which I always value because if a sequel, that sequel didn't really get any shit for it. Like, I think actually people thought it was a good movie. So it, the fact that they were able to, like, the fact that it wasn't a horrible sequel implies he didn't fall off a cliff and then interstellar two years after that so you're looking at dark knight inception and interstellar in the six-year period i feel like that might be the peak i don't, I don't know am i overthinking this because the other thing too is like if tenants really all this hype it's crazy how no one went from like these action movies to interstellar which was more of like a sci-fi like thriller and then now to Tenet, which I know is more action-y based, and Dunkirk, which is entirely action-based. It, it's weird how no one could just flip that switch on and off with the action and the non-action. I do have to agree. I would say, as of now, um, his peak is that six-year period where all three of those amazing movies came out. Tenet, I do have to admit, I, Tenet is a little confusing. I, I don't want to like explain more because I feel like I'd spoil the movie. Um, but... I would have to agree that it peaked, but I don't, I feel like at the snap of a hat, he can just, he literally can just poop out like three more critically acclaimed, like amazing movies. And that will just restart the whole argument of like, what is his actual peak? So we don't really, I can't really say what his peak is until I guess when he tragically passes away. So yeah, to use a basketball comparison, it's honestly kind of like LeBron going to Cleveland and then going to Miami and then back to Cleveland because in reality his peak should have like because for instance the Dark Knight and Inception combined had 16 nominations and six wins at the Oscars so in terms of the numbers you're like oh like this is clearly like a peak but then Dunkirk is his second most award-winning movie and was tied for the most nominations so he kind of had like this return to grace out of nowhere so like to like to to follow your point, it's gonna be like kind of a wait and see. It's kind of like we need to see the second the second arc of his career here and see how kind of things end on that front. He also releases movies like every three years. He's not like a, he's always about quality over quantity. That's one thing with Nolan. <laughs> exactly. That's what I, that's what I think makes him like one of my favorite directors. It's just like like you said, he's a quality over quantity. And like I guess if you just churn out movies all the time, that could give you recognition. Like freaking michael bay with all the transformers movies but like there's transformers movies and then there's like interstellar like which one would you rather watch on like a saturday afternoon i'd rather watch interstellar i, I think a couple things that age well real quick for this movie i feel like the cinematography actually aged because then it got even better with 1917 two years later because 1917 had like the the long shots. Like I, I think we saw it together, but I, I did a pod with Dan and we and like there was like the, the shot where like it kept going for like 30 straight minutes, huge pan angles. Like I feel like I don't know what your thoughts are if you've seen the movie. I feel like this movie set up that cinematography style for future movies. Cause it really did. This was two years before. 
I I've only watched them. I've only watched 1917 once, but from what I remember, it did. Uh, Dunkirk really did set up like cinematic shots for 1917. I think like shots like, um, like what you said, like the um, pan. Jesus, what's the word for it? Pan something. What, what did you what what? what like I just I don't I forgot what I said. But I think like pan panning shots maybe. Is that what I yes. said? Yes. Yeah, panning shots. I remember there's this one scene where it's just like the same, it's the same uh, camera view, like some guys running after the characters um, behind the camera. I love those shots. I think those are like the best things ever. And just, it really does set up for like the ways, the way Christopher Nolan movies are like shot and should be, not should be shot, but like the way they're like designed, I want to say, something like that. I think another thing, a small thing that aged well, but uh, British war films, because you have uh, The Darkest Hour and then this movie in the same year. I feel like that's not, I feel like you're not going to see two British war movies in the same year just be this good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like that's a rarity. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the realism still matters. Like I feel like it has, I hate coming back to this comparison because it's so overblown, but I feel like it has a Saving Private Ryan level of respect and level of realism in the fact that you have like veterans coming out and saying it's accurate they portrayed it as accurate as you could in 2017 i feel like that legacy of it i feel like that it kind of got like a due credit for that oh yeah absolutely i think like you it's it does have a it has a i wish it would have more of a um saving private ryan level of like watch amount of watching behind it even though i guess it is the highest grossing war movie, but although if you're doing a comparison, Jesus, Saving Private Ryan, because the thing with Ryan is like it's got the action, but the dialogue is equally as good. And you forget those actors weren't really at, like Tom Hanks was the only one at the peak of his powers. Every other actor, like Matt Damon, for instance, was not Matt Damon like in 1999. That was like that was him after Goodwill Hunting. Kind of that was it yeah. for now. Like the resume was super small. It was a lot like. It was kind of like Hank stole the show, but it was like good dialogue, awesome action, but there was a balance. I feel like this movie, like in comparison, it's it's just way too slow for the, the average person. Wasn't, I, I don't mean to like just totally go off conversation. No, no, wasn't, no. wasn't Tom Hardy in Saving Private Ryan? I don't think so. Let me I, see feel like, I feel like he was. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just like in my own head. Oh, he was. I think he was. <laughs> Yeah, I think he, yeah, I remember now because he, um, which shot? He died in the movie saving that little, the little girl and giving her back to her family. And then he just. No, that was somebody different. That was somebody different for sure. Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy was in something Saving Private Ryan related. I don't know if it was like a sequel spinoff series or the actual movie, but he he was someone, I know he was in a war movie because I remember the look. So uh, are there any things for you that uh, age where we're ready to move on to the next category? I'm, I think you really explained all the things that I was going to say. So I'm, I'm ready to move on if you are. Okay. So what did not age well? And this could be anything. Cause for instance, I think something that didn't age well, this movie's legacy, like it really is, I think a lost movie. I think it, it doesn't get, I think the reputation doesn't get enough credit that it deserves. And I think in a stacked movie year, I think it just kind of got lost with everything else. And it's going to be like, Oh, like Dunkirk. I remember seeing that, but in terms of like, the all-time rankings, I don't think it's going to kind of be up there. Yeah, I agree. I got to agree with that. And like you said before, it's like one of those pre-pandemic movies. So it kind of had a little bit of bad luck. 
Oh my God. So I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something I argue with Dan was like, the reason why 1917 gets screwed over is like that, that pre-pandemic era just gets totally messed up, man. Exactly, exactly. But you are, you're also right when it comes to like the other movies that came out that year, you have like stacked, stacked movies that have been like regarded as some of like the, one of the greatest movies of like the modern time. And then you have Dunkirk. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Dunkirk was like not one of the, one of the great movies, but like, it's it was like you said it was it's kind of lost in all the other movies that came out that year what's funny is like i didn't even mention all the movies in that list earlier but i tanya i remember was this year and that's just like everyone if you had to say who watched would you watch more i tanya or dunkirk you're saying i tanya Holy the, shit, yeah. the blade runner sequel which it, it was it was kind of like a tier below what people think of the top gun sequel where it's just like nostalgia 80s I love that movie. My dad, mom watched. I gotta watch. I feel like again, Dunkirk was just out of nowhere, which also didn't do it. We haven't had like a good World War II film since Saving Private Ryan, probably. Like, there's been some some flashes. Like, there was a movie with Brad Pitt uh, called Fury, and that came out like in the mid tw- early 2010s, late yeah. 2000s. That was a yeah. good one. The Tank movie. I remember that movie. Yeah, the Tank movie was really good. But really, like, the war movies have been kind of lacking lately. It's been a lot more history and society and uh, and, and more like drama than it's been kind of like the war front. Yeah. Like, as you said, both um, Dunkirk and The Darkest Hour came out the same year. Personally, I talk, I probably talk more about The Darkest Hour than I do about Dunkirk. So, like, I do, yeah, I have to agree with what you're saying. Stuff like that. Um, I really don't have anything that didn't age well from this film. Maybe, maybe the slow pacing sometimes, just in the sense of like the watchability of this movie can kind of I would watch this movie a couple times, but if you had told me like gun to my head, if I'm picking a movie, do I pick Dunkirk for entertainment? I would probably say no. I'd have to agree with you on that. Okay. I, I, no, go uh, ahead, go ahead. I do have to agree that the movie does there's not a lot of things that didn't age well. But like you said, like you just said, if someone was going to like shoot me and said to pick a movie, I probably would not pick Dunkirk um, solely because it like you, like we've been talking about. It's not it's a great movie. I wouldn't say it, the movie had the biggest impact on me personally. And that's another that's like going back all the way to like the beginning. That's not like a big that, that's a big thing for me. Like how, how much of a movie has an impact on me? And that movie didn't really pack a punch. It packed, like, movie-wise, it packed a punch. But, like, memory-wise, I'm like, oh, yeah. Dunkirk was pretty good. So, two more categories left. The first of which is the big picture themes. What's kind of, like, your big, like, theme or takeaway from this movie in general? Um, big picture takeaway. Oh, Jesus. Um, I would have to say maybe that war movies are kind of like they're not i want i wouldn't say they're like world war ii movies i wouldn't say they're dead but they have certainly fallen off a little bit like i haven't really seen a lot of war movies since like dunkirk in 1917 till now like up to now um but besides that i think that the big takeaway was probably the setup of cinema, the setup of cinema shots that they use, it kind of, it's kind of, I guess it would, like you said before, when it comes to the shots in uh, Dunkirk and 1917, it's kind of setting up 
a new style. Oh, I wouldn't, yeah, like a new style of Nolan movies. Um, and probably 2017 was a good year for British movies. I, no, I kind yeah. of agree in the sense of like, I feel like the narrative on like what's a good war movie has changed because it kind of actually started in the after Saving Private Ryan where everyone knew nobody could top it where the framework was always on like the social issues or like the behind the scenes issues. It kind of leads into something I didn't know about this movie, but uh, in Dunkirk, there was actually a bunch of scenes, uh, scenes they deleted where Winston Churchill was supposed to be like acting and like going over it. And they got rid of it because they wanted less politics and more the everyday character. I feel like that's what this movie kind of did. Like, I don't know if, if you agree or disagree. I feel like this movie shows the new movement for war films is that you could still have action, but you need to kind of give like the common man and less of like the, the bureaucracy and less of like the like people in ties perspective. I think that's something that I think, especially in this era where it's been a lot of like grassroots stuff and bigger emphasis on people and perspectives not talked about, you're looking at this as kind of like the beginning of that movement for war movies at least. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think if they, like you said, if they added those, if they kept those um, deleted scenes with Churchill, I feel like the movie would would lose like the emphasis on like it's not just about like it's about the the guy the people who are in it. It's just these people. It's for the woodshot. There's three different types of person in this movie, I believe. One with the soldiers, they're just people trying to get home. They're like they're scared shitless, and they all they want to do is just go back to their homes and be with the people they love, not stranded on a beach where you could literally be blown to, to bits at any second um, with the pilot. It's just like, what am I like? I, I don't want to say like the, his plot is kind of like, what am I doing here? But it's more like, it's more like um, him trying to calculate, like he, he was trying to the entire time. He's trying to calculate how much gas he has left. And he, every single time there's a, enemy plane in the sky he's like oh i gotta chase these guys down to make sure that our the guys on the ground don't get blown up and then the third is just civilians who never were in the war um but when their people when their uh fellow countrymen needed them they answered the call of duty and decided to sail across the sea to save these people that they never known in their lives just because of the patriotism they have to their country so last category, which is kind of like the, 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 the leftover questions and the leftover mailbag. Did you like or dislike the Harry Styles cameo in this movie? I kind of hate it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> um, I have to admit, it caught me off guard. But I think he actually did a really good job in the movie. He wasn't he didn't have the biggest role. Like he just kind of appeared out of the blue. Um, but his character was really put together. And he really, he, even though I don't think he's been in any other movie ever, like, you know, you know, Harry Styles, he's a musician. He was in a one direction that the boy band, British boy band. Um, but he really, he did an excellent job in my opinion. Next question. Is this movie a trendsetter or one and done? So what I mean by that is like, is this movie 
the future of what war movies look like? Or was this just like a, a one-time thing? Nobody's gonna be able to repeat this ever again. Like, so like the framework would be, is this more like a Saving Private Ryan or is this more like the Django Unchained where you're never gonna see anybody remake the Django Unchained because of how good uh, Tarantino made that movie? Um, I guess I would have to say it's a, tr- I would have to say it's a trendsetter, but there's also an argument that it could be a one and done because there's only what I mean by when I say it's a one and done is that there's so much, there's only so many movies you can make about the siege on Dunkirk. That's what I mean by that. But like as a trendsetter for actual war movies, I think that it does, it rivals, um, it rivals uh, saving private Ryan. And I think in order to really determine whether it's a trendsetter or a one and done is to see what kind of war movies are going to come out in the future, in my opinion. I think it's a one and done in the perspective of what this movie pulled off, which was doing the three different kind of angles of the story. I feel like that will never be, because that's kind of like a Nolan specialty is always character based. I feel like that won't be, won't be repeated. I, yeah, I would have to agree with that. All right. Last question, which is what is going to be the one thing about this movie that always keeps you drawing back to rewatch it over and over again? <clears throat> um. I'd have to go with the three the three character uh, perspective way of uh, filming the movie. I think that was a really excellent idea that Nolan just cooked up out of the blue. You don't really get a lot of movies where it's like you get a movie where it's you do you do get a certain amount of movies where it's based on two perspectives in different places. Like that's especially prevalent like TV shows like. If you, I don't know if you've seen the new season of Stranger Things, but like, I actually have never seen an episode. I gotta watch it. You, <laughs> you, have to, you should watch that. But <laughs> as I was saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to explain it without spoiling it. Spoiling it. This the movie. This the first. The new season um, starts out where different groups of the main characters are in. I think like four different parts of the world. There's some people in like Russia. There's some people in California. There's some people in Indiana, stuff like that. Um, but you never get a movie or a TV show where it's three different perspectives in three different times, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's so trippy, too, because I think when you like the one thing is when I rewatched, I've only seen this movie one time and then I rewatched it for our pod. It was so trippy to re- to recollect that, especially if you're watching this like in the middle of the night and you're like, what is going on right now? Because you have to actually like really focus up like it kind of gives you that, that war perspective too, like, like not to go all like philosophy mode, but it does make you feel like you're actually like in the war because part of being in war is like your timing is thrown off. You have no idea what's going on around you. It's chaotic. I feel like that movie really just like captured that moment. Oh yeah, definitely. So that is the end of our film pod. Jacob, you're not only film pod debut, but you're Duncan with Dom pod debut. It's good to have you on. Thank you for having me, man.